As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Greetings and welcome back to One True Pod. We are the Big 12 Podcast on the Andy Staples Show and Friends Podcast feed. Thanks as always for listening. My name is Sam Khan and I'm joined today as always by my good friends Jason Kersey and Max Olson. On today's episode we're going to talk to new TCU head coach Sonny Dykes. He'll, He'll join us a little later in the show and we'll talk about some way too early 2022 talk. We've already put the end on the 2021 college football season so it's time to look ahead 2022 but guys max i'll start with you how are you this morning so far we are our first episode post 2021 season how are you doing did you survive the 2021 season sir well you know i'm i'm healthy today so knock on wood let's just try to stay healthy sam and i went to the afca convention in san antonio yeah let's get a good wood knock there <laughs> sam and i went to the afca convention in san antonio uh which is uh you know three four days of uh well, didn't see a whole, whole lot of masks, Shake. including from from yours truly. So we've got a we, we're tempting fate there a little bit. It was it was good to see you, Sam. Good to see a lot of coaches from around the country. Um, but the, that was uh, <laughs> that was interesting. And we also had some very good barbecue from uh, from Two M uh, in San Antonio. And uh, folks should uh, should get over there and have some have some ribs and brisket and definitely the mac and cheese there. Yeah, we uh, took took Bruce Feldman to Papacitos, which he was dying to do once uh, he, he got yep. into town. That's <laughs> his tradition. And Bruce is uh, in Texas. He 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 requires Papacitos, and that's fine with me. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm okay with that. I'm I'm okay to go get some fajitas, and then uh, we had some great pan dulce, some sweet bread at, at a panaderia mm-hmm. uh, for brunch on Tuesday. So uh, we we were really good. Jason, I wish you could have come and ate, eaten with us because we ate like kings while we were in San Antonio. We lived our best life, Jason. What were you doing? Uh, I was fighting a cold um, for the last oh. few days. So that was that was fun. I, I'm not COVID positive. I've tested negative twice, but get, sort of getting over that. But, uh, but you know what? It's okay because I ate really good in San Antonio two weeks ago. So it's all it's all good it's all good we'll, we'll brag on it what'd you have i ate a lot of mexican i mean obviously a lot of, a lot of good places on the river Casarillo was was awesome um uh Mitiera was awesome uh yeah I, I ate some pretty good food in san antonio myself well done okay so so by the way i have a Mitiera story so jason you went to Mitiera. Yes. that place is open 24 hours Seven days a week, 365 days a year, you can walk in and get some good Tex-Mex and get some sweet bread, the whole nine. So David Ubbin, our one of our trusty national reporters, texts me at like nine o'clock on Sunday. Monday no, night. Sunday. Sunday night. Sunday night. Well, Max and Andy and, and Bruce and I were all at dinner and Dave, Dave was working a little late and he's like, hey, I'm going to have to eat something late and I don't know well, where should I go. And I said, Mitiera, that's the staple because whenever you go, it's always open. They even have a sign atop neon of the blue lights. Says, we never close. But yeah, neon light says we never close. And David Ubbin and David Hale from ESPN and uh, several others who are in that group 
take a Uber over there, and guess what? They are closed. <laughs> and, closed on a Sunday and night. And I was shocked. D- David Hale sends a tweet out to the world and said, Sam recommended Meteor, and then circles the sign that says, we never closed, and they're closed at after 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. And uh, I don't know. We I don't know that we found exactly what it was, but the next day they were open, so some of the guys were able to go back there and but, get some... But they had to go to like five different restaurants time. to find something to eat. So nice job, yeah, nice shot with that some, prank, Sam. I know. Thank you know the tech expert over here giving only the best recommendations of places <laughs> that never close that happen to be no closed kidding. during the AFCA convention. So uh, it was a wild goose chase. But Meteor is a good place uh, when they are open. So guys, let's uh, get into some way too early 2022 talk. We put the 2021 season to bed. Stu Mandel, our editor in chief, uh, on. Uh, Tuesday morning after the national championship game put out his way too early top 25 for 2022. And we have three big 12 teams in it. We have Baylor checking in at number 12, Oklahoma state checking in number 14. And the one that shocked me the most, and this is where I want to start Jason is Oklahoma at number 25. And I know they're about to lose Caleb Williams here. Whenever uh, he decides to announce his decision, they've taken Dylan Gabriel's transfer quarterback after Williams decided to announce that he was going to the portal. But Jason, what were your thoughts on Oklahoma at 25 and going into the preseason, possibly somewhere in the 20s uh, going into I, I would just like to make one quick correction. There are four teams. Kansas State is 24 in Stu's rankings. Oh, um, I missed sorry, yeah. I missed that. I K- apologize. Kansas State is 24. But uh, yeah, so Stu called him. We, we actually talked about that before he did that ranking. And um, I my thought was they probably belong in the 15 to 19 or 20 area. That was kind of where I would probably put them. I think 25 is I mean, I know you fans aren't going to want to hear this, but I, I kind of think that's justified. I mean, we don't have any idea what this team's going to look like. I mean, um, any idea it's going to be completely different. They've lost uh, many of their best players on defense. Uh, they've lost Caleb Williams. Obviously, they've lost Kennedy Brooks. Um Jaden Hazelwood is is transferred to Arkansas. There's a little so Mario Williams is transferring. There's a lot. I mean, there's just a lot of uh, questions. They're they're hosting a lot of tr- portal guys this week, uh, trying to replenish. Um, but we still don't know what the team's going to look like, and and it's a new coaching staff. Um, there's just a lot of newness around Oklahoma, so I don't think it's unreasonable to to kind of take a pause and say like, let's, let's kind of see what happens here before we automatically put them in the top 10, the way I think a lot of people are doing. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't really have a problem with it to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I, I told Stu that he should do his way too early rankings in March and then he should do his spring rankings in like July, because that's just where that's just kind of I feel like the sport's changing. You know, I think that and, and you heard that a lot. Sam talking to coaches this weekend, like I, you asked, I, I asked definitely a few coaches like, you know, kind of what do you guys think of the team you have coming back? But these rosters are just so fluid. I mean, there's just so many coaching staffs out there that, like you said, Jason, are chasing transfers, are still having to make decisions or, or still, you know, waiting to kind of find out who's staying and who's leaving. And so. Um, I, 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 there's, I talked to, to, um, you know, one, one big 12 coach. I said, what do you, what do you guys think of the team you got? And they said, we'll know about two weeks into fall camp. You know I mean? That's just, that's just, so it's the prognosticating right now with, with the way this stuff is, is so fluid. Um, it's hard to do. And so, uh, I, I wouldn't put too much stock into saying we don't, we're not sure if OU is a top 25 team right now. I, I I think that when that thing solidify there, you're going to feel pretty good about what they're working with. And I think they've built a, uh, tremendous coaching staff there too, so I, I have confidence in them. But it is a departure from the norm, right? I mean, usually when you're you're building these uh, rankings in in January, uh, you usually feel pretty good about putting Oklahoma. You know, I mean, shoot, I think they're, they're probably two or three in a lot of these last year, and um, you, you usually feel good about putting them in the top five or the top ten. And um, I, certainly, you're, you're curious to see when the dust settles how different that depth chart looks. I mean, uh, to your point, way too early rankings. I, I've never done them myself, but I would imagine they are harder than they've ever been. Yeah. Ever been. Max, do you think what has to be updated more often? The way too early top 25 or the top 25 transfer portal? <laughs> the top 25 the best available. It, you know, it had to get updated just as we started taping this podcast. You know, it's just, it's nonstop, and uh, which is a lot of fun. It's fun to follow, but. 
you know, these are, it, it, this is, you know, not just like schools taking, you know, three, four, five grad transfers to kind of fill up the, the holes in their lineup. Now you, you've got some of these programs um, mm. are, are trying to take, you know, 10, 12, maybe even up to 15 transfers to, uh, you know, kind of transform their roster. So uh, it, while we're in the middle of all that, it's hard to, it's hard to sit here and say who's, uh, who's going to be really good. And I, I would just throw it to you guys and say when, when, when Stu called me about uh, putting this together, I didn't really have any strong feelings about who I thought, who in the Big 12 I thought um, was going to rise up and be in that top 25. I think certainly Baylor is in great shape with with the players that they're returning, the, the guys they're able to get back up front. Um, you know, I think that Oklahoma State, it's it's we'll see. We'll see in terms of um, what that, you know, what direction they're going to go in on defense. That's, that's still to be determined. And... <laughs> there's there's other teams, you know, K State. I, I know they feel really good about what they're adding, Adrian Martinez, and the way they finished this year, and some of the young pieces they've got. But who else in the Big Twelve would you say? And, and I think we're all kind of wait and see on Texas. So who else in the Big Twelve would you say, like, yeah, that's definitely a top twenty-five team next year? You know, the funny thing is, is uh, I was uncertain about Baylor, and now I feel a lot better about Baylor because they're bringing back the offensive line. And defensive line, they're bringing back four or five starters on the offensive line, and they're bringing back the entire defensive line plus a little depth, uh, including the starters Chidi Ogbenaya, who's a rotational guy inside, is coming back. So even though you lose Terrell Bernard, even though you lose Jalen Petrie, even though you're going to lose both starting receivers, uh, I still think Baylor has a chance to be a top twenty-five team. You bring back Apu Ika, you bring back both quarterbacks Gary Bohannon and Blake Shapin, and oh by the way. That's going to be an interesting offseason storyline. How does that play out? Do we open up the competition? Is Gary Bohannon still the starter? Is Blake Chapin going to push him in the offseason? Yeah, I, I think that decision is is going to be really challenging, especially as we've talked before about just the way that things are in the portal now, where I'm sure both of those guys are kind of wondering, how's the staff going to handle it in the spring? And does does either one of them feel like you, you know, is attempting to to make a change? Obviously, you don't want to leave this team that's that's been – uh, you know that that's that's won a lot of games together and and is coming off their best year ever and all that. So uh, I'm I'm very interested to see how um you know Jeff Grimes and, and that offensive staff handles that situation. But I think you have to feel feel really good about where, where Baylor's at. And I guess with the rest of the Big Twelve guys, I, you know, is is there one today that you'd say? Is there one team out there that you'd say I think this will be a surprise top twenty five team? Like I could I can understand an, an argument for like. You can you can make an argument for Texas just on Bijan alone. You can just say like, well, they've got one of the best players in the conference, so there is that potential. I think certainly it seems like Texas is still doing a lot of shopping when it comes to rebuilding its roster, and maybe in a couple of weeks, if they're adding some of these players in the portal that they're going after, then you'd say, man, that that team's going to look different. But is there a team out there that you, you feel really good about and saying they've got top twenty five potential based on what you saw this year? I think Kansas State is probably the one, but and obviously they're in the in the way to the top twenty-five. I, I, they're the one. The way they finished that season, you know, you get Deuce Vaughn back. Uh, you know, Chris Kleiman's now been there a few years. I, I feel like they're moving in the right direction uh, as a program, and I thought the way they they finished the season was impressive. The, Texas is interesting, and I'm going to make fun of people because. You know, everybody likes to say, well, you're going to throw in Texas as number 25 in the way too early top 25. I'd like to point out that we at The Athletic did not put Texas in our way too early top 25, but there were some other people that did. But so I had someone put this to me. Uh, th- th- them's the rules. Them, that's, just, th- that's just how it is in this business. That's right. You got you to, gotta, it's the off season, so it's time to hype Texas. That's right. So th- there, there was uh, one of my mailbags recently was a Texas fan that made a comment that I think really hit the nail on the head is Texas could be in the Big 12 title game, or Texas could fail to complete a forward pass, and I would believe it. Like, the, the, the range of <laughs> outcomes for them is wildly, wildly big. Because, and I think we saw that this year because how close they were against Oklahoma, and then they lose to Kansas toward the, and West Virginia the back end of the year. So they, they're the team, to me, that could end up being 5-7 and seven again, or they could be a team that is in the mix in the end of November because they get Bijan back, they get Xavier Worthy back. Uh, you know, We'll have to see how the quarterback situation plays out. But I, I'm always hesitant with them just with the offensive line situation. Like Until that offensive line is better, and I know they recruited really well, but they're not going to run out a bunch of true freshmen out there to start on the offensive line. So 
I, I don't know. I, I think, but Kansas State would be the next best team, I guess, for me after Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and and Baylor that I would mi- think in that mix. And t- you know, TCU. We t- we'll talk to Sonny Dykes in a little bit. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think about TCU. They they get Max Duggan and Chandler Morris back, but do they have enough talent, or does losing Zach Evans and, and O'Shawn Mathis and some of the other guys does that knock them down to the point where we don't see them as a top twenty five team? Yeah, I, <laughs> that's where and and, and I, I've seen there's a lot of crystal ball projections for Ochon Mathis going to Texas and potentially you know along with Gary Patterson, which that's a story for another day. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I that th- that that's the kind of stuff that and, and I don't think it's just limited to going on in January either. I mean, I, you really do wonder as as some of these coaching staffs go through like Jason. I know you've seen people speculate. That well, if Caleb Williams is leaving Oklahoma, how many more Oklahoma players are leaving to go with Caleb Williams to his next place? Like we we don't we don't know, and that that could be exaggerated or that could end up becoming real. So, um, you know, these are the things that I I it's it's hard to to pinpoint right now on you know January thirteenth. I I do think that I don't think that TCU and Texas Tech are rock bottom. I definitely don't. I, and I and I think they've built really good coaching staffs, and I think they're. You know, you have to be realistic about what they're inheriting and, and you know, how the, you know, average the results have been here these past few years. But but still, I, I think there's some good pieces on that roster. You know, the culture part's a transition, but I, I don't think that either of those schools are in terrible shape where you're saying we're going to put them at the bottom of the Big 12 standings this year. So I, And I think that makes for a more intriguing conference when you, you do feel like, uh, you know, I, I think they have a chance to be bowl teams and, and, you know, pull some upsets and stuff like that. So it's, you go through the whole conference and you know, Kansas will get better too. Like uh, who, who, who's getting worse? I guess yeah. it's sometimes hard to pick out when well, you have these conversations. I, I, I'm, I'm a team we haven't mentioned yet that I'm interested in moving forward is Iowa state just because they're losing so much. I mean, yeah. And, and that's I mean, the assumption. Off, the assumption yeah. is Iowa state falls off because of how many leaders right. on that team move on. Right. And, and I mean, it's a team that you, you sort of wonder if maybe they miss their window to, to have a, a, you know, a big uh, breakthrough sort of season like like everyone expected they would this year. Um, and now you don't really know what they what they're going to have. But um, but I know Matt Campbell's a great coach. So I, I'm very intrigued to see sort of how that progresses. Yeah, he, I, I think that'll be a, a, just a fascinating test of what they've built there is, you know, you you take away these all-conference caliber guys, even all-America caliber guys, and you know, can you can you go win eight nine games with with a Hunter Deckers and and Jirel Brock and uh, Xavier Hutchinson coming back is a big deal, but can, and and you know, can you? There's there's reports that Notre Dame's interested in John Haycock. There could be transition there for all we know. It, it, it's going to be a fascinating offseason in names in terms of. I know they really like what they've recruited and developed, and and they continue to feel like they've brought in their kind of guys. But, you know, can you can these guys bridge the gap here from from what you've built up for the last three years? Yeah, I think, Max, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you're, you're the Cyclones expert here. But I feel like the staff continuity is the most important, that it, that if that staff is in place, if Campbell's there, if Haycock's there, that that you still feel good, even with them losing as much talent as they do, that this program will not take a huge dive. Like, I think they'll still be a consistent, competitive program uh, as long as that staff is intact. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I, and and to this point, even with all the success they've had, generally speaking, there's been a lot of continuity there. Um, you know, and and uh, especially on that defensive staff, and so uh, that that situation will be interesting to to watch here in the weeks ahead. But um, you know, I, I 
I don't necessarily assume Iowa State's going to, you know, fall off that that bad. And, and look, that I guess it's relative that they didn't have the year they wanted to have this year. Um, but I, it's 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 really I'm I'm just really interested to see when we get to March. Um, you know, I, I think you almost start with this assumption that there's going to be a lot of bowl teams, but how many of them are going to be, you know, teams that have a chance to be in that, you know, CFP top twenty-five kind of uh, conversation. Even if for just for a couple of weeks of the season, you know, maybe not the entire year. So I, I don't know if you like if you had to place the bet today, guys, would would you go Baylor? I mean, in terms of Big 12 champ next year, or do you feel like you would take the field? Man, that's tough. I I think today when you ask me today, they bring back offense, most of the offensive line, all the defensive line. They bring back both quarterbacks. I guess. Can you find a replacement for Abram Smith that that? will be as consistent and as solid as he was. I think that's the big question we talked about. Do you have another linebacker that can play running back? <laughs> you know, maybe you can make that transition. Yeah, I, I I, think, yeah, if you gave me the choice today, I'd probably take the field over Baylor. But but I do not feel bad at all about Baylor because of them. If they had lost Connor Galvin, if they had lost uh, Grant Miller, then, then maybe I think I'm a little more shaky. But, man, I think they're going to be right back in the mix. I think Baylor has a real shot to get back in the Big 12 championship game just because of – I think getting the lines back is going to be so huge. Uh, the staff is mostly going to be intact. They just did just did lose Chancey Stuckey receivers coach to Notre Dame, so they'll have to make a hire there. But, you know, Jeff Grimes is coming back. Ron Roberts is coming back. Uh, you know, they, they had to shuffle a little bit on the defensive staff, but Caleb Collins, who got promoted to Joey McGuire's old world outside linebackers coach, is considered a future star. Talks to a lot of guys at AFCA about him. They, they love him. They think a great communicator. He's going to be a, a really, really good coach uh, down the road for them. So uh, I think I think they're going to be in good shape going into next year. Uh, so so even though I take the field just because of the nature of the Big 12 and how unpredictable it is, I still feel good about Baylor being back in the Big 12 championship game next year, at least at least as we sit here on January 13th. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be I it, it'll be it'll be fun to follow. And, and and I think that, you know, that that's also why I like I like the way we cover the offseason. I, I like doing state of the program because I feel like after we do. Uh, state of the programs, uh, we feel like we have a better sense of, of where they're actually going to end up. But, man, we got a long ways till we get there. Yeah, no doubt. Well, one one more team I'm going to throw at you. Well, two more teams I'll throw at you. One, and got some news, is West Virginia hired Graham Harrell as offense coordinator. But the yeah. other one I want to throw at you is Texas Tech. Uh, what do we think about about the potential? They just finished 7-6, and six, uh, won the bowl game, first winning record since 2015, and now they have this new staff and Joey McGuire do – do we think they're a team that could make some noise and sneak into the top 20, back into the top 25, maybe if things roll right for them? Well, Sam, you feel like, you know, you, you saw the success that Bailey Zappi had this year at Western Kentucky. I, I don't think there's a quarterback problem there. I really don't. Um, and, and the competition there with Tyler Shuck healthy, with what Donovan Smith showed us, I, I think that's going to be really interesting to watch. I, I know they feel like they got three guys that they, that they like. Um, I you know we'll see in terms of what what they have to do to get the pieces they they to to get that thing rolling, um, but I, I I don't think that I don't know I I think Matt Wells and and you know those final weeks there uh, Sonny Cumbie I think they left it in good shape. Yeah, I agree. I think the roster is in really good shape. I mean, I think it's better than it was a few years ago. And and credit to the previous staff for for doing that, but. Uh, I think with the, a lot of the playmakers in that bowl game were young guys, and so mm-hmm. uh, and then they're getting some guys back. Uh, you know, Muddy Waters announced he's coming back. Uh, you got some other key defensive players who are coming back for next yeah. year. Uh, Krishan Merriweather, I believe, announced that he was coming back. So yep. they've got they've got uh, I think they've got some real potential. There, they may be aside from Texas, who I mentioned with the wide range of outcomes. I think Tech may be the most interesting team to me. Uh, in the Big 12 in, in 2021, just because there's so many unknowns with uh, how things are going to play out with this new roster and staff. But uh, but West Virginia, we mentioned Graham Harrell back in the Big 12. Speaking of Texas Tech, the former Texas Tech quarterback, who you may remember uh, in 2008 threw a touchdown pass to Michael Crabtree on a Saturday night in Lubbock and sent the college football world a fire and upsetting number one Texas that night. And Graham the, has been at North Texas. He's been at USC and is now the new offensive coordinator at West Virginia, Neil Brown, Neil Brown hired him to take over. And I mean, me personally, as a guy who, you know, watched him as a, as a high school quarterback and watched him as a college quarterback. And obviously he's had some success early in his coaching career. I think uh really, really nifty hire by, by Neil Brown and, and West Virginia to get him on board. 
Yeah, I, I thought Graham Harrell did a, did a terrific job at uh, at North Texas, and that's what gets him the USC job. Certainly, when you look at the end of Clay Helton's tenure there, you know, kind of kind of a mixed bag in terms of where SC was, um, and and they had some really good wideouts um, in in LA, and 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 West Virginia's got to remake that room a bit. West Virginia's got to find a quarterback. They're they're in, you know, they were interested in Cameron Ward, who's going to Washington State. Um, you know, I, I think they've got their eye on the market there. Um, and I'm, I'm really curious to see who they end up kind of deciding is their take, you know, Jackson darts out there and played for Graham Harrell, but I think he's, he's looking at a few other schools and, and I'd be surprised if West Virginia could, could break into the mix there for, uh, the number two guy available in the portal right now. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that offensively, I think Graham Harrell probably will take, take the good and the bad from SC and, and learn from it. And, and, and I think you, have kind of a clean slate offensively with West Virginia. They've they've got uh, they've got to build that 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 deal up there on on that side of the ball. And um, I'm I thought it was I thought it was an interesting choice by Neil Brown, and I and I think one that has a lot of potential here. Uh, and and look with where we're at in the sport right now, you could probably flip your roster faster than ever. So um, you know, in terms of the the players that West Virginia goes out and adds. Uh, to to fill their needs on offense, I'm I'm interested to see what they put together here as they uh, you know approach spring ball. Yeah, and they and they've got some similar roots. Uh, Brown and Harrell, you know, Brown obviously played for Mike Leach and Hal Mummy at Kentucky. Harrell obviously played for Leach at Texas Tech. So I would imagine there's Harrell had his, his stop in Texas Tech too as well. Yeah, yeah. so that, I would imagine there's some crossover uh, in terms of just uh, you know how they came up and maybe probably some shared philosophies there. So I think that can make. Uh, for an interesting, uh, interesting mix at, in West Virginia. So it'll be interesting to see how the Mountaineers do and, and what plays out at quarterback for them uh, next year. But uh, we got Sonny Dykes on the line, so let's go to our conversation with new TCU coach Sonny Dykes. Now, time to welcome in a special guest to One True Pod. We've got new TCU coach Sonny Dykes joining the pod. Sonny, we saw you at uh, the AFCA convention in San Antonio. Uh, how are you today? Have you recovered from the convention from shaking a million hands and being asked for jobs as you hire your new staff? <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was it's good. It was nice to get back out and see coaches. You know, it's been kind of a strange uh, couple of years with COVID and you know, not really seeing um, guys as, as often as you're accustomed to seeing them. And it was great to see a lot of high school coaches with the event being in Texas and, and catch up. And it has, you know, we do, we haven't been on the road much really the last, uh, the last two years. And it's nice to just get back out and have a chance to be social and talk to coaches and, you know, continue to, to, to have a chance to see people that you haven't seen in a long time. So it was fun. A lot of stuff going on, obviously, in our profession right now. A lot of interesting conversations with with coaches and, and all the stuff going on is is certainly made made an already complicated business even more complicated. But you know, lots of opportunities as well, and so it's fun to get out and, and see people. So, what do you do as a head coach? I know obviously you've hired most of your full time staff. Uh, I don't know if you have any support staff spots or whatever, but I know a lot of guys go there when they get a new place they go to hire. But aside from that, what do you look to accomplish when you go to the convention every year? Well, there's always discussions, you know, with kind of what's uh, what's going on within our profession and what's happening in the world of college football. Um, so I'm, it's always interesting to get other people's perspective. You know, you kind of have your perspective and your staff's perspective, and then you talk to coaches one off here and there. But it's it's nice when you can get around guys and 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 you know see things from from their point of view. Um, I think the problem that we all have as college coaches is that, you know, our first responsibility is to care for the program that we have. Uh, and I think sometimes we need to take a broader view and make sure that we're taking care of college football generally and in the student athletes generally. And I think we all get caught up in, in, you know, what's best for TCU or what's best for whatever job that you're at instead of saying, okay, what's best for these student athletes, what's best for the game. And, and so you do, you do hear, stuff that you haven't thought about that other people are dealing with or going through or, or whatever the case may be. And so it is, it's good to get other people's perspective for sure. So I enjoy doing that. And then again, as I said, just, you know, catching up with guys, it's fun to see. I always go and I'm always amazed at how many former players uh, that, that have played for our, our staff through the years are in the profession. You know, sometimes guys you don't even really know are coaching all of a sudden you see them at the AFCA and, so it's fun to catch up with them and have a chance to, to try to follow their career as well. 
Now, Sonny, there, there was uh, allegedly a, an incident at the airport involving an iPad. Could you could you tell us that story? Yeah, yeah. It's so so funny uh, how how stuff goes. Um, I was going through security, and I was on the phone, of course, and uh, was actually talking to a recruit. And so, as I'm trying to check through, go through airport security, so I run my backpack through, and um, my I left my iPad in the backpack, which was not a not a very good thing to do. And so they took my my iPad out, ran it back through, handed me the bin. I took the bin. I put the iPad back into my backpack and, you know, went and got on the plane and I guess it was the wrong iPad. So I was sitting on the plane. The PA came on the plane and, you know, asked for Daniel Dyke. So I knew it was something official because that's my real name. <laughs> How many people know that? And so anyway, long story short, I grabbed somebody's iPad and, and, they switched the iPads out and I got on the flight and went on down the road. And then I'm not sure how all this other stuff became, uh, became a story, I guess, that coach Patterson and myself, I guess somehow got his iPad, which I'm almost certain it wasn't his iPad. Uh, I can't say for sure it wasn't, but I didn't see him at airport security. And then it was some, there was some kind of dust up between us. And so anyway, long story short, none of that happened. But, okay. But the, so the PA said we, we need Daniel Dykes and Gary Patterson to come to security or something like that. I mean, that's what I, that's what they were told, but that's not what happened. I got you. Yeah, <laughs> would have made a good story though. Yeah. yeah I would have made it for a good story. Except the only problem was it, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the best stories sometimes are, are the ones that never happen. Yeah, it's too bad. <laughs> so does anybody in somebody, anybody, you know, or anybody in your family still call you Daniel? No, nobody, nobody ever has. Yeah. And, and actually my son's name is Daniel. And the reason we named him Daniel was because it was a tribute to my mother who has passed, but um, she wanted to call me Daniel my whole life. And my dad absolutely objected and he called me Sonny. And so, um, so we did it as a tribute to my mother. Awesome. That's great. That's awesome. great. Yeah. Now, Sonny, a lot of times when a coach takes a new job, you know, from, from experience, like, it, it probably takes six months, a year to kind of figure out, okay, what's, what, what are actually the challenges here at this place? Certainly I, I wouldn't think that's a, that's a huge problem for you with this one. You've worked there before under the previous regime. You've played TCU almost every year. So I guess as, as you took this on um, kind of big picture question here, how do you kind of see your vision for what TCU football should be, especially when you consider, you know, this, this changing conference? Yeah, I think, you know, this is my fourth time to have done this, to, to take a head coaching job at a different school. Um, and so, you know, I think obviously you get your first one. That's a whole different experience. There's really nothing you can do that prepares you for that. Um, you know, you just, just because every situation is different and every challenge is different. Um, and then, you know, I go from Louisiana Tech to Cal and there was such a difference in that. So, you know, the, the, the funny thing that I talked about was really typically when you take one of these jobs, in a lot of ways, there's about an 18-month learning curve, okay? And I think the more you take, the more jobs you have, I think that learning curve diminishes a little bit. But you still have to, you know, move to a new place and you still have to, you know, try to figure out the recruiting aspect of that place, the culture, just all the different things that exist about certain places. Um, that's why I felt like the SMU – move made so much sense for me. I had been recruiting Dallas for 20 years. I knew the area. I knew the high school coaches. I knew, you know, I knew what it was going to be like to live there. Um, I just had a sense of, of, you know, what the good programs were. I had a sense of what the, the student athletes in that area thought. Uh, and so we had a pretty clear vision when I took that job of, okay, here's what we need to do. And then obviously making that transition from SMU to TCU was even easier uh, just because it's, 30 miles down the road and we had, you know, been in the Metroplex and we'd recruited the Metroplex. And so in a lot of ways that transition was, was even easier and made more sense and really felt like, you know, we talked a little bit about this uh, before, but we felt like that, you know, sometimes that 18 month transition in some ways coming over here was an 18 hour transition instead of an 18 month, just because there really was a certain comfort that I had, um, I'd been here before, obviously with coach Patterson, I knew some of the administration, I knew, you know, the expectations of the program. We had a lot of friends in Fort Worth. Um, it was strange. We had the year we were here, we just made a lot of really good friends. And so some of our best friends were here 
Um, so, you know, just from your family standpoint, from a comfort standpoint, it was a very easy transition. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, people like it, I'm sure, when when the TCU-SMU rivalry is just extra spicy. So do you have to just kind of automatically hate Rhett now? Is that he's, is he just dead to you now? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I mean, uh, we work together. It, it has to be good when you're handing it off to a guy like that that you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, look. That's the most difficult thing about leaving a, a program is is that, you know, you leave these players. And so that's the hardest thing. You recruit those guys and you have a vision and you tell them, here's what this program is going to look like. Here's what we want it to look like. And, you know, and at the end of the day, you want to make sure that somebody that, that, that you're comfortable with, that you know is a good person and is going to take care of those young men. One of those people takes the job and, and Rhett will do that. I mean, Rhett's going to do a great job of, of having a similar vision. Now he's going to put his own spin on everything and he's going to do his own thing and he should. Um, but I know him. I know what kind of person he is. He's a great person. Um, I'm very comfortable with the way he's going to treat the players that are there. And so from that perspective, it couldn't have gone any better because I don't care what anybody says. I mean, look, those are, that's, that's what makes it hard to take a job somewhere else. It's the players, you know, it's those guys that they trusted you and, and, and trusted their, their, football career and their college career and those formative years with you, they invested that in you and it's difficult to leave. I mean, it's just a hard thing to, to do, you know, you feel like in a lot of ways that you're cheating those kids and, you know, and I, I felt like once I left that job that, you know, Rhett would have a great chance to get it. I'm, I'm glad he did. And he'll continue to do a great job over there. Sonny, I, I thought, you know, obviously when you were at SMU making Dallas and, and being Dallas's university such an important part of your identity, I'm wondering how that translates to TCU being in the Metroplex. Um, do you, why is that strategy important? What, how do you plan to sort of employ that at, at TCU? Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think it's kind of the same way of thinking um, over here is that it was at SMU. You know, we just feel like you know, the, the, the best thing that we have going for us certainly is we're in the Big 12, and that's that's different. I mean, you know, I, I think our branding over here is going to be, look, we're the DFW's Big 12 team. You know, and I think that's the, that's what we want to become is is the team that, you know, that DFW supports, um, you know, that's part of the Big 12. And, look, you know, we, we love Big 12 football. It's part of the tradition of the state of Texas. Um, it means a lot to – you know, to the college football world in Texas and, and to have a chance to be a, you know, the DFW big 12 team that people support, I think is a big deal. And so what we have to do is what we did over there. We've got to do a great job of, of building relationships in, in Dallas, Fort Worth. We have to do a great job of, of recruiting local kids. I think that's going to be very, very critical for us. I don't care what football program that, that, you're talking about if you can't recruit you recruit your own backyard you're just not going to have success and the teams that have been able to break through have been the teams that historically have been able to do that and and that's that's our intent here is to make sure that you know we recruit dfw that this is our priority uh that the high school coaches feel comfortable you know being on our campus and getting to know us and they feel comfortable sending their players to us and they know that they're going to be taken care of and developed and mentored and uh, they know they're going to get a degree from a great place like TCU. It's going to pay off for them for the rest of their lives. And so there's a lot of things that we have to offer. Um, you know, we just have to continue to invest in the, these communities, whether it's Fort Worth or Dallas or really any communities of need and continue to, to, to serve those communities. Because at the end of the day, that's what colleges are here for. You know, they're here to serve a community. And so we, we've got to continue to do that in, a, in the DFW Metroplex. 
And just a quick follow-up, how hard is that when, I mean, everyone recruits Dallas, uh, you know, the Oklahomas, the Oklahoma States, sure. Arkansas, Texas, everybody's recruiting Dallas. How hard is that to have that be your, your base when everyone is coming in? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, the great thing about it is you can come here and you can play in this incredible facility that's over my shoulder here and, and get this fantastic education and, you know, get to play against the best teams in the country. And you get to do it in front of your friends and family and people that care about you. And, you know, that's what's so cool is that if, you, if you're from Dallas and you come here and you go to TCU, um, you know, your parents can jump in the car, watch you practice, can watch your games, can watch the spring game, can, you know, you can drive home on Sunday and, and have a home cooked meal and do your laundry and, you know, and, and it's just a different, it's a different aspect to, to going to college. And it's, the, the great thing that we offer is, is that kind of a, a, a relationship between, you know, parents and their kids, uh, just where, you know, they can be around each other a lot more on a different level. And, and, you know, I think that's a great comfort for kids is that, look, you know, my parents don't have to get on an airplane and fly across the country to be able to watch me play. They can drive over and then I can, I can see them after the game and then I can see them the day after the game and, you know, they can come watch practice and, you know, it's just, it just changes the whole dynamic. On the recruiting front, Sonny, uh, obviously you guys had a lot of success over there and, and you brought some guys with you, uh, from that staff at SMU, Rashad Samples obviously has built a strong reputation. You obviously brought Garrett Riley, A.G. Rickard. Uh, you got a few others. And then also, I know we brought some of the recruiting apparatus with you uh, in terms of support staff. Uh, so I guess how seamless has that made the transition for you guys so far as you've gotten to reconnect with the recruits that you've already were recruiting and, and get to know some new ones? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's like anything else. I mean, we're, you know, we've got to recruited a higher level, you know, now that we're in the big 12, I mean, that's going to be really important for us to go and, you know, we're going to be recruiting against the best teams in the country for these kind of players in order to succeed in the big 12, you have to recruit, you know, at an elite level. And you look at the teams in our league that have historically had really good football teams, the Oklahoma's, the Texas, um, you know, those teams have really recruited at a very high level. And so we're going to need to do that. Um, and, and, you know, that's the, the great thing is we felt like that we were trending that direction at SMU. And we feel like, again, given the resources that we have here at TCU and given the conference affiliation, we can continue to take that next step and, and recruit a, a even better student athlete than we could before. Um, you know, we were, I think, again, the fact that we basically just changed the logos in some ways and, and moved 30 miles down the road gave us a huge head start. And when it comes to you know, the 22 class and what we were able to sign. And then obviously trying to get a head start on the 23 class. You know, we had relationships with a lot of these kids uh, from our time at SMU. They'd been on our campus and knew our coaches. And so that enabled us to get over here and, you know, build off of those relationships and get them on, get them on our campus here. We have a big junior day uh, on the 30th coming up. And, and um, you know, I think we'll get a lot of the top flight kids from DFW here and really top flight kids across Texas on our campus. And, and then we want to continue to do the things that enabled us to recruit at the level that we did at SMU and, and just getting guys around our program all the time, getting into spring practice, getting into junior days, uh, getting them to my house. Once we kind of get settled in, you know, we, we're within a mile of campus and so we can host unofficial visitors to, to our house. And, you know, and all those things enable you to build that relationship. And really at the end of the day, recruiting is about relationships and trust. And the only way to, to build it is to, to spend time with these recruits and get around them. And so we've already had one really good, successful junior day um, back in December. We'll have another one here in the end of January and then, you know, start getting these guys on campus as much as we can back in March. And as we get into spring football and, and uh, as I said, just, you know, try to get around the players the most that we can. Now, Sonny, I, I saw a tweet from, I believe from Heim barbecue saying that you brought some, some pretty important visitors over there how much do you feel like bacon burn ends can kind of be a secret weapon in, in this uh, arms race? <laughs> yeah, recruiting? yeah. I mean, I think that's a great evaluation tool uh, because if somebody doesn't like those burn ends and they got some issues, you know, they don't, have any, they don't have any business playing college football in Texas. <laughs> so we had a couple of California kids, you know, on a visit that weekend and they passed the test. You know what I mean? We, I, they, I wasn't real sure about them until they ate those bacon burn ends and then we were good to go after that. The food scene in Fort Worth, you, are you are you 
pretty caught up from being close by or is there a lot of exploring to do this off season? Yeah, I know lots of exploring. I mean, there's the good thing about it is lots of good barbecue places here. Obviously Heim I had, I knew about before. And then some of the older, the newer ones that popped up that Panther city and Goldie's, you know, that were rated high in the Texas monthly stuff. I'm excited about those. Um, you know, I, I do think it's a really cool time to be in Fort Worth. I think there is kind of a renaissance happening here uh, in the city. Uh, I think it's booming. It reminds me a little bit of what, Austin was going through 10 or 15 years ago. You know, the live music scene's really good. Uh, lots of cool places, restaurants, and, and different places are starting to pop up. You know, the whole thing that's going on right now down in the stockyards is pretty cool. That place has, has been revitalized. And downtown Fort Worth is, is happening. So it's a cool place to, to be. And my wife and I are looking forward to getting over here full time. You know, I think we start moving this weekend um, over here. And, and, you know, hopefully about two weeks from now we'll be settled and and, uh, you know, Fort Worth's a great community. It's a pretty amazing place, really. It's, uh, it's the 12th largest city in the country, which I really didn't know that. And, and, but it's also a college town. You know what I mean? It's, it's a really, for sure. it's an interesting place. And Fort Worth and TCU have done a great job of, of building this brand together. Um, you just, when you think of Fort Worth, you think of TCU. And when you think of TCU, you think of Fort Worth. And all over the city, um, you know, they're supporting TCU uh, there's purple everywhere. It's just a really cool place that way. And quite frankly, when we moved over to, to Dallas after my year here in 2017, you know, that was one of the things that we really wanted to, to get going over at SMU, which is just that idea of, of SMU becoming Dallas's football team and felt like we certainly took some steps in that direction. And, and uh, you know, fortunate to be here now where I think in a lot of ways the, the two have already embraced each other. When, Sonny, when you look at the roster, I, I would imagine you've been able to spend some time kind of breaking down where you sit from a roster standpoint. Wh- where do you feel best about this team from a talent and depth standpoint? And obviously, I know we talked last month, you said some of the depth in, in some spots may be a little concerning, but where do you feel best about this roster as you head into the offseason? Well, you know, just based on you know our early morning workouts, we're four days in to, to really having a chance to get around our guys and see what we have. Um, you know, I've really been impressed with our team speed. I think that's the thing to me that stands out. Um, you know, the biggest positive we have right now is is a lot of speed, you know, defensively on the back end, uh, offensively at the skill positions. That really stands out. The, the one probably negative that stands out is just, you know, we've got to get bigger. You know what I mean? I think that we've got to – we have to have more big people and the people that we have, the big people we have have to get bigger. Um we need, you know, more offensive linemen, more depth, uh, need more defensive linemen, more depth, and just have to continue to, to, you know, do a great job in strength and conditioning with those guys. Uh, I think it's just so important. You know, at the end of the day, say this all the time, but, you know, football's won and lost at the line of scrimmage. You know, it just is. There's a lot of attention paid and a lot of lip service paid to everybody else. You know, the importance of a quarterback, which obviously is very important, but at the end of the day, the team that wins the line of scrimmage most almost always wins the football game. And so we have to, to build depth on both both uh, both the lines. I think both our both our defense and offensive line have got to we need more bodies and we need bigger bodies. A lot of the things we've talked about uh, throughout this, you know, from the the attractiveness of the town, the, the location, the university, all that has been obviously a big part of your decision. When you look at TCU moving forward as this conference changes down the road with Texas and Oklahoma leaving eventually at some point, what do you feel like the potential is for this place, for this football program? Yeah, I think, I think when you look at, to me, what makes a, a job a good job is you have support, you know, from, uh, from the president or chancellor level to the athletic director level to the donor level. And, and TCU already has that, you know what I mean? I think that's the one thing that you can't deny what this place has turned into. And, and it, it's become that really because of two reasons. Number one, the people got behind the program and supported it. And number two was coach Patterson's, you know, approach and consistency and what he did to, to legitimize this program. I mean, there's no denying what he did to, to bring this into, you know, from the mountain West to, to the big 12. And I think everybody just assumed, Oh, when they move into the big 12, you know, they're not going to be a player in the Big 12. Well, they were a player very quickly in the Big 12 and had a lot of success. And 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 I think that, you know, when you look at what makes a job attractive, again, it's, it starts there. And then the second thing, it starts with access to players. 
Um, and so again, being a DFW, we have some of the best football players in the world and are very in our own backyard. Um, and so, you know, look, there's a lot of work that we have to do here, but there's a lot of possibilities because of those two things, you know, uh, recruiting base and, and a commitment at the very, very highest level. And the commitment here is unquestioned. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's, it's, you know, again, all you have to do is look at these facilities, look at the investment, and you can see how important it is to, to this university and to our donors and our alumni and uh, our athletic director to, to be successful. Sonny, there, there's so much that goes into getting this thing started, and I'm sure for you, even just the decision on the job was, was super stressful. It, at what point does this just get like really exciting and awesome, or is it just going to be a grind for year one like it usually is at these jobs? I mean, it's, look, it's always a grind. I mean, you know what I mean? When you're here, you're grinding, you're, you're trying to, to take advantage of every minute you have to get better, you know, to have a meeting with somebody or meet with a player or tweak something or you know, take a look at a recruit or get on the phone with a recruit. I mean, it, or a high school coach, whatever it is, you're just trying to figure out a way to squeeze every possibility that you can out of the day. Um, but, you know, when you go home at night, you lay down and you start decompressing a little bit. You start getting excited about about what this place can become um, and, you know, and about what it's been. I mean, it's been a it's been a player at the national level before. It hadn't been that long ago, obviously, um, you know, won a Rose Bowl. Um and have played in other big time football games and bowl games through the years. And so, you know, I think we get, it's hard not to get excited, but it's also, you know, you step back in sometimes and you get a little bit of dose of reality about how far we have to go and, and uh, in all the things that are out there that we need to accomplish. And so, you know, I'm excited at the same, very optimistic, but at the same time realize that there's going to be a lot of work and these transitions are never easy. I mean, they're just not, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of things that have to happen and fall in line to, to have a good football program. And it takes a, it takes a lot of time to get that alignment that you have to have in order to be successful. Well, Sonny, thanks so much for taking some time. I know it's a busy time and, and good luck with you the rest of this uh, recruiting class and this off season. And, and we'll be talking again soon. Thanks so much for joining one true pod. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Look forward to, to being on again. and Good to see you guys at the convention. Look forward to seeing y'all soon. Well, thanks to Sonny Dykes for joining us on One True Pod. We really appreciate him taking some time. And thanks, you guys, Max and Jason. Thanks to all you, as always, for listening in this 2021 season. We're going to take a brief pause from weekly episodes of One True Pod. So stay tuned for our new offseason schedule. But the Andy Staples Show and Friends feed will continue on. Uh, so, so if you haven't already, please subscribe uh, to the feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also find our stories on The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, you can sign up for our latest promotional offer at theathletic.com slash one true pod. You'll get comprehensive coverage of this offseason, the future of the Big 12, and so much more. So now is a great time to sign up. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.